0: if we have self-acceptance and kindness to ourselves, we're much more likely to do things that will help us kind of have that overall sense of wellness anyway than if we're thinking that we're blaming ourselves or thinking that somehow we're not worthy, then we're less likely to do things that are going to support our wellness.
1: Welcome to the Parenting ADHD podcast, where I share insights and strategies on raising kids with ADHD straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, ADHDaholic, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am excited today to be talking to Kate Lynch of Healthy Happy Yoga, and we're going to talk all about mama wellness. And don't stop this episode thinking that it's just about what you eat or exercise. This is about your whole being and your whole life, and it's a super important conversation for you to hear. Thanks for being here, Kate. I so appreciate you sharing your time with us. Will you start by introducing yourself, who
0: you are, and what you do? You're so welcome. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm a meditation coach and an inclusive yoga teacher. I've been teaching since 2002, and my focus has been really lately on cultivating community, and especially for parents of atypical kids, since I have (laughs) a kid myself with uh, autism and ADHD. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's start I, I think we should start with the eight dimensions of wellness, because this will define for everyone that wellness is more than just your nutrition and physical health, exercising and things like that. That's an important piece, of course. But you know, for our overall wellness in life, it's more than that, right? Oh, for sure. Let's start with emotional. Coping effectively with life and creating satisfying relationships. I think this is a big one for us raising atypical kids.
0: Yeah, and this is probably the aspect that I am most tuned into, and most and most passionate about. Right. So, because I've sort of been through the drama myself of raising an, an atypical kid, a, a kid with uh, challenges, and um, a lot of high emotions, yeah. and I was already a yoga and meditation teacher, but my practice really took a dive and I really felt, there were times when I felt pretty hopeless. So through that, it really helped me to develop or remember tools that are very, very applicable and very short, quick, and easy to just pull up in the moment to shift and find more find more steadiness and mindfulness and more of a, a connection, not only emotional balance, but also kind of an awareness of where I'm at and where those emotions are really coming from. And then when I did that, when I found that, I was more able to then model that for my son. And really dealing with our emotions, not feeling guilty about them,
1: not trying to stuff them down you know, the the healthiest thing to do is to feel them and yeah. work through them instead of trying to avoid them.
0: Yeah. And shaming ourselves and judging ourselves actually doesn't help. Like some of us, sometimes we think that like, oh, well, if I stop judging myself, I'll stop improving. But mm. <laughs> that is totally um, not something that I've found to be true at all. So the self-compassion piece has really come in when I find that inner critic come up. And the more that I can really understand that, okay, you're, you're feeling this, everyone feels this kind of thing sometimes. What would your best friend say to you? How would you treat someone else who you care about who's feeling this way right now? And it definitely shifted my perspective. Away from that self judging and self blaming.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really good measure of how we treat ourselves is to ask ourselves what we would say to a friend if they came to us with those thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Everything, because we're going to be so much more compassionate to another person than we typically are with ourselves.
0: Yeah. And as far as like having this idea of self improvement, like if we have self acceptance, And kindness to ourselves, we're much more likely to do things that will help us kind of have that overall sense of wellness anyway, right? Yeah. Then if we're thinking that we're, and we're blaming ourselves or thinking that somehow we're not worthy, then we're less likely to do things that are going to support our wellness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think things like, hope and optimism and gratitude practice also come into play here with the emotional wellness. Absolutely. You know, they make such a big difference. And, and that then plays into like what your attitude and your mindset are.
0: When you're more positive and hopeful, you're much healthier. Yeah. just going to go better. And one of my go-to practices is just thinking of one thing that I'm grateful for. And I don't go along the whole story. I just wait until I feel that sense of gratitude and for sometimes it's just the feeling of my son's hand in mine if he you know if he's recently held my hand i'll just have that sense of what his hand felt like and i'll i'll feel like i'll really feel the gratitude for someone else it might obviously be something else but once i have that sense of it in my body then i just i just go into what that sense is in my body and that's been shown to actually shift our hormones like it's pretty amazing how it can shift our, our physiological well-being just by shifting to, like you said, hopefulness or a sense of of gratitude or, or even benevolence. Like if we've done something that's really kind for someone, and it was not that hard for us to do, like not not a martyrdom situation, but something where they were grateful. It was easy, and we just felt good about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have you ever had that sense? Like, oh, somebody asked me to do something, I did it. It was easy and I felt really good about it.
1: Yeah, there's so many little things. You know, I think we discount those things, those small things, writing somebody a note. Um, And these are the kind of things I list as self-care activities. Because when we do for others, we feel good about ourselves and that's self-care. Right. Yeah, and I, I use the Grateful app. I don't know if you've seen it, but it will remind you every day at a particular time, whatever you set it for, to record a piece of gratitude. And it even has prompts, like questions that it'll ask you to try to prompt you. Um, Name a time you were laughing today. What are you grateful for today? Things like that. And literally, it takes less than a minute to open my phone, type up my gratitude for the day, and put it away. Like it's really not a big deal to practice gratitude. It can be so simple, and we even have tools that can remind us every day to do it. And there are many studies that show how impactful that practice of gratitude is. It keeps us more optimistic. It keeps us more hopeful, more positive. It, you know, physiologically helps us.
0: It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Because <laughs> I hadn't heard of that one, so I'm writing it down. Yeah. I love it. You can even attach
1: pictures. Like one day I was driving home from leaving my daughter at college after winter break. And in front of me, the whole sky was just all these colors. The sunset was absolutely amazing. And it just made me feel good. And it reminded me, you know, that, yeah, I did a hard thing because it was really hard for her to be left there. uh, Mm. It made it hard for me, but it, you know, there's hope. That's basically how that felt to me. And I was at a red light, so I snapped a picture of it. And then I would put it in my gratitude for the day. Like, mm. I'm really happy to see this beautiful sunset today. And you can scroll back through everything. So when you're having a really down time, you can open this app and see all of it. Um, some people use a gratitude jar, um, right. a gratitude wall. At one point, we had a chalkboard wall when my kids were s- small. And Sometimes we would, you know, hey, go write a gratitude on there before you go to bed. My son, when he let me tuck him in, he does not now because he's 17. But when he did, every night I would say, I like the way you blank today. Um, Something you might have been working on, something small. It didn't have to be anything monumental. You know, it could even be I like how you were laughing with your friend today. Or like, let your friend pick what they were going to do first today or I like how you brushed your teeth and I only had to ask you once today, you know, whatever. Yeah, but It ends the day on a really positive note for him as he's going to sleep. But it's also a reminder for me. Today might have been yeah. hard. This might have been really challenging. But hey, here's a bright spot. It was, yeah. I don't know how I started doing it, but it was so super helpful.
0: I love it. And the piece that I would that I would maybe add to that is, then notice how you feel in your body as you're experiencing that gratitude. Because that can yeah. shift something, you know, internally as well. And that can actually shift us out of if we're if we're having any kind of trauma response, it can it can actually help us shift out of that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a really important thing to do with our kids. I didn't know to do it when my kids were little, but you know, especially kids with anxiety, because it helps them separate these really uneasy feelings like it might be a medical emergency from you know, the anxiety from something that actually is an emergency or not when they're starting to notice, oh, I'm anxious and my stomach hurts.
0: That's connected, you know, and I have anxiety. So (laughs) that's actually been something that I've, um, worked with a lot. And I, um, I don't know if you, have you heard of Dr. Laura Markham? I have not. Okay. So she has this book, peaceful parents, happy kids. And I don't, I heard her before I read the book, I heard her, um, talk somewhere and and she said, write, write on a post-it it's not an emergency. And put those post-its all over your house. And I tried it. And my son at first was like, why are these suddenly all over our house? What do you mean it's not an emergency? What is that about? And I explained that it was really for me, not for him. But our whole family benefited from it actually, because when I started to get freaked out, my son would say, Mom, it's not an emergency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I would say it to my husband and you know, it all we all sort of um took it on. That's a really cool idea. I'm gonna have to do that myself in my own house. It's just one of those one of those little affirmations that I that I now use. Just, you know, there there are a couple of different very simple affirmations like kindness counts that I say to my son or Patience pays or like, we've got this, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. We've got, we're in this together. And the, it's not an emergency message also, I think helps when, with kids with big emotions or adults with big emotions, you know. Yes. Know that very few things are actually an emergency. Very few things are so dire, but sometimes many more things feel that way.
0: Yeah, it can feel that way in our bodies.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good connection to go into the spiritual aspect of wellness, discovering a sense of purpose and meaning in life. Um, it doesn't have to be religion. You know, we all think religion when we think spiritual, but it's really just finding some purpose for yourself and feeling fulfilled.
0: Yeah. And finding something that feels greater than just our finite selves that we can maybe have a sense of resting back into that sense of trust or grace or how, whatever it is for you, for me, it's like nature really, you know, going for a walk gives me that, that sense of expansion and of like, I'm just this tiny piece in this vast universe and to have a sense of feeling held in that. So everyone has their own personal connection to that for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Different places or different things that where you just feel at peace I think that's a good way to to describe it you feel at peace like I like to kayak yeah hmm. I get to do it as often you know just a couple times a year I would love to live on a lakeside and drop it in every morning and do it every day but it's not yeah. realistic right now but um I just feel really at peace when I'm kayaking. I'm not a white water, you know, crazy, just like floating down the lake or the river. Um, pretty mild exercise, but that rhythm of rowing and the water and hearing the water kind of lap against the boat is just really peaceful to me. It's really kind of my my happy place.
0: Just visualizing that I feel calmer.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah. it's just so and I I never do it on my own, but a lot of times we just go along quiet and it's, you know, it's a good time for self-reflection. It's a good time for (laughs) self-compassion. Like, Mm -hmm. well, yesterday wasn't awesome, but look at what else there is in the world, right? And trying to kind of heal from some things sometimes, but there's so many different things, you know, it could be for different people. Um, Yes. Definitely, you know, there are studies that nature and green space and outdoors um, is helpful to our neurology and our emotional and, and mental health. So,
0: yeah, and just having a connection to your higher power, whatever that is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm really appreciating. Like, I, I am a big lover of trees and clouds. My kids think I'm insane because I'm always like, oh, <laughs> look how pretty, pretty the sky is today. Like, that just makes me feel really good. And I, I just learned in the last few months that that's actually kind of practicing mindfulness and gratitude, just going and appreciating those things. I was like,
0: wow, I was doing it. (laughs) Yeah, you're looking around, you're establishing yourself in the present moment. You're looking and appreciating, taking in through your senses what's happening in this moment. So that's, and you're doing it on purpose. So mindfulness is basically paying attention on purpose without judgment. So yes. You're doing, you're doing a mindfulness practice oh, yes. <laughs> by and looking I, at the clouds.
1: <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. I was listening to an audiobook from from, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but the Buddhist. Um, Thich
0: Nhat Hanh? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not it. sure I've got it right, but I've heard a lot of people say Thich Nhat Hanh.
1: It's pronounced not how it looks. And that's my problem is I can't remember. But anyway, I was listening to one of his presentations or workshops or something, and that's where he explained that. And I was like, wow, I really was more tuned in than I thought I was. And I was already practicing mindfulness um when I didn't think I really was doing very good with that at that time. So it's yeah. just so important too to just find some appreciation in something, you know, that's yeah. keeping your eye on the positive right there. That's helping you to kind of shift your compass and your focus to something that's more beneficial. Yeah, and trusting yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. And for some people that could be yoga or going to the gym or going for a walk, like you said, but it doesn't even have to be physical. It could be yeah. sitting on the back deck and having a glass of wine at the end of the day or whatever. Just something where you can appreciate your surroundings and find a little peace, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So let's talk about I'm just gonna mention physical really quickly because we are not doctors and nutritionists and that sort of sort of thing, but you know. We all know that our physical well-being affects our emotional well-being. It affects if we have the energy or the physical capability to do things with and for our our families. You know, we all know that it's very, very important. And I think a lot of parents let it go because they're prioritizing others. And you really have to keep yourself in good working order to be able to do your best for others.
0: So I... I do have something to say. I mean not just because of being a yoga teacher but um from listening to Kelly McGonigal's book The Upside of Stress. Mm-hmm. Um she has this study that she talks about about housekeepers in a hotel. And they took all the housekeepers in the hotel and asked them how much exercise they do and told them how important exercise is and a lot of the housekeepers kind of felt bad about themselves because they maybe didn't feel like they were measuring up. Then they took half those housekeepers and told them what you're doing every day in your job is physical and you're getting cardio, you're getting strength, you're getting all the benefits of regular exercise. You're getting all these steps, you're you know, you're doing all these things that are good for your body already. Yeah. And that's it. That's all they did is tell them that. And then they went back I don't remember how much longer, it might have been a year later, and checked on the two groups. Can you imagine what happened?
1: You know, just the, the mental um,
0: knowing and being more positive about it was beneficial, right? The mindset was actually physically beneficial. So yeah. the housekeepers who had this knowledge that they already were doing all this physical exercise showed physical. Improvements, not just mental improvements, but also physical improvements over the group that was doing the exact same thing, but thought that they weren't measuring up. Yeah. So you might just check. I mean, my friend showed me my the there's like a thing on our on our phones where you can see how many steps you have, even if you don't have a Mm -hmm. Fitbit. And I had never known that that was there. And I just she just showed it to me, and I looked at it, and I was like, Oh my god! I had no idea I was taking this many steps every day. (laughs) So. But having that mindset that like the things I'm doing in my life are actually, a lot of them are physical. And even if I just do a little bit, you know, take the stairs once in a while or get up and walk around or even stretch and move and breathe a little bit to to have a sense that that is beneficial rather than it's not enough.
1: Right. Seeing the glass half full instead of half empty, basically. Totally realizing that you are doing some things for yourself. You know, I was having a conversation with my hairdresser yesterday actually when I was getting a haircut, and she was saying her daughter, who's in high school, I think, a freshman maybe, um, was on the track team and she hasn't done track before. She's done other athletics, but never track. And she had her first track meet and she didn't win her race, she didn't come in first. And she thought, well, I'm done. If I can't win, what's the point? You know, the whole point is winning. And we were talking about like, no, think of all the people who aren't even trying because you're already way ahead of those people. Even if you came in last, you're doing something.
0: Yeah, and she's probably beating her own time. You know, she has that opportunity to challenge herself.
1: There's so many ways. And in track, you you know, you can place more than just the winner. If she would just keep up with it, you know, there's there's a lot of good benefit. But she completely did not see that actually showing up and trying and doing it was something, you know, she mm-hmm. thought, I didn't win, I might as well not do it. Um, same kind of thinking. And it's really, it can
0: be hard to Kind of yeah rein ourselves and we can we can model that growth mindset for our kids right by saying like, Oh, you know, this is the effort I made today, not so much about this is the outcome I had today, but this is the effort I made today. this is what i I put in, what I tried to do, <laughs> you know this was not just the intention but what effort I took towards that intention, whether I succeeded or not, I want to tell my kid about it, you know, but, hey, I tried. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we need to point that out to them that we are not perfect and that
1: we make mistakes too. We need to show them a realistic bar, a realistic expectation, I think. So let's switch to intellectual. Let's talk a little bit about this one. Recognizing creative abilities and finding ways to expand knowledge and skills. I love that they put creativity in this bucket because There's lots of different types of intellect, right? We even have emotional intelligence. We have common sense. We have all these different buckets that we can kind of lump into intelligence. So even people who don't have a high IQ, there's still some intellectual wellness that we can keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, not everyone is gonna feel intellectually stimulated by reading a book, but if you find something that stimulates your mind and keeps you kind of excited and like you said, like kind of juices up your creativity and keeps you enthusiastic about what you're doing. I feel like that can that can be a very valuable aspect of wellness. I can't wait until I have time to read all the books that are sitting in a stack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's always more books to read in there. Um, I was just thinking, too, like going to a museum, if that's what you like. Art, Mm photography, you know, that can feed your intellectual wellness. You're learning something there. Uh, Or having a great conversation. Yes, a debate with someone or... Yeah, even just an in-depth conversation with someone is also in that bucket, I think. There's a lot of things that we can do. You know, we also os- we often really pigeonhole ourselves and we think about things very narrowly. But if you really kind of think outside the box, there's a lot of ways that you can feed each of these aspects. You know, it doesn't we're not asking for perfection, you know, we're not striving for perfection, we're just looking at how do we live our best life, but still being authentic and intentional? Yeah. I've been talking a lot about self care and wellness on this podcast as I navigate my own. I talk about it because it's essential to not only your well being, but the health and happiness of your kids. There are a lot of factors that go into wellness, including making sure your body is performing optimally i love let's get checked because you can order a testing kit online and check many different things without needing to even find time to go to the doctor i ordered the cortisol test to check the effect stress is having on my body it was quick and easy and thankfully my cortisol level was normal you can test thyroid liver folate iron omega vitamin d cholesterol and more and let's get checked is available In the U.S., Canada, and many European countries, go to bit.ly slash let's get checked test to learn more and order your home testing kit. Use code ADHD20 and get 20% off. That's bit.ly, bi slash let's get checked test, or you can use the link in the episode show notes and use code ADHD20 to get 20% off your at-home testing kit. Let's talk about environmental. Maintaining good health by occupying pleasant, stimulating environment that supports well-being. This can be hard, Um, especially if you have a kid with zero executive functioning like I do, because he doesn't even see how overwhelming and messy and totally just destroying his mother his his room his environment. Oh
0: okay right. So how his how his actions impact you and yeah the the environment you live in.
1: Yeah. Because we care about that. We care about at least I do. I
0: care about what his room looks like to you. Well, order. Yeah, having a sense order. of knowing where everything is and not stepping on things and not having bugs. <laughs> right. Yes.
1: And I think (laughs) so
0: too. We can't say,
1: well, it has to be perfect. It has to be perfectly clean, perfectly tidy. Because for a lot of people, that isn't an attainable expectation. But it has to be an environment that makes you feel good. Whatever that looks like.
0: And we might need to ask for help in that. Yes. Oh, I love that you said that.
1: You know, if you're really busy and you're really having a hard time keeping up with housework, and you have the means to, hire somebody to come in and clean every two weeks.
0: Like, There's no shame in that. No, I started teaching extra classes so that I could do that, (laughs) actually. Yeah. I get up early on Saturday morning, and I teach extra yoga classes so that I can do that. Yes. It just makes more sense to me. (laughs) Yes, because you enjoy teaching yoga classes, right? But also... You know, I ask I asked my husband for help. You know, I I don't take it all on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I I expect him to, you know, within his ability, pick up the slack. Because uh, we're you know we're a we're a team we're a system, and I also ask my son to be involved in that as as much as he developmentally can. Yeah, yeah, I think it's
1: it's part of everyone's. Job because they're part of the community that is the family. But a lot of times in many of our households, others expect that we'll do it because we always do. I think we train them that way to expect that we'll do it. Um, Right, right. That can
0: happen for sure.
1: If laundry is like the bane of your existence, get a laundry service. Like, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of this stuff is fairly affordable and a lot of it you you could find things that you would be willing to give up in order to have someone else clean your house, for instance.
0: Yeah. And and you could just do it for a little while if you're going through a rough patch and then take it on again when you feel more capable, you know. But if if like you have a kid that's really I mean, I know there were years I had a kid who it was so challenging that getting through everything felt completely overwhelming. And I wasn't at my best because I was trying to do everything. And I don't think that served. Any of us. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And we, I think we make it so hard on ourselves again because we think we're supposed to be doing all of it. And we think, oh, if I have to hire somebody to do this, what does that say about me?
0: Oh, no, I'm so grateful. Hard enough to get (laughs) somebody else to do it. Right. That's what I think. And this idea that they won't do it right is like we have to let go of that just a little bit because if they don't do it right, it doesn't really matter that much. Like, is it, is it life or death? Is it emergency or like? Is it really an emergency? If they don't put that exactly where you wanted it, you know, you could move it or you could let it go. Yes, I'm all for getting help, asking for help, taking whatever help I can get. Definitely,
1: definitely, we have to. You know, a lot of people have to really work on being open to that. But I think it's something really important to work on. You know, we just can't do it all ourselves, and we shouldn't have to. Nobody really expects us to. We think they do, but they really don't.
0: Now, the thing about environmental wellness and the next one, financial, is I mean, some of this is not within our control. Like, there are systemic factors and there are, you know, there are economic factors that aren't within our control. So, you know, there's only so much, like for some of us, there's only so much we can do. We can make our environment and our financial life as manageable as possible.
1: Right. And then we change our attitude about it, our mindset.
0: Right. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 But again, you know, not beating ourselves up, not blaming, (laughs) there's no point in, um, in shaming ourselves ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to say, okay, this is my financial state now, for instance, Um, but it's okay. You know, it could be worse. And, I am working on improving it or I'm making a plan or um, the stock market will come back up before I need my retirement, whatever it might be that's stressing you out in that realm. Yeah.
0: I mean, the one choice we can make that I've chosen is to live within my means. Yeah. So that's how I define it. Me and my, and my partner define Success financially is not that we have a certain financial goal in mind, but that we can live within our means and that helps us to feel calmer.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. And that made me think of the locus of control. There's some great worksheets to do to fill out your own locus of control where you put the things that you can't control in that little center bubble and remind yourself, I have no control over this. And then you put the things that are meaningful to you or that you want to change or whatever into that bigger outer circle. And then you're able to really see it visually in order to help yourself focus more on the things you can control and to be able to say to yourself, okay, this is one of those things I cannot control. What in relation to
0: it can I control? You know, there's the saying, that you can't Grant control. me the serenity to accept yes. the things I can, <laughs> change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.
1: Yeah, or you can't change someone else's actions, but you can change how you respond to them. Yes. That sort of thing is what we're talking about. But doing a, I'll try to link up a locus of control worksheet in the show notes because I found it really helpful. And I actually, in my parenting boot camp retreats, to it's part of the workbook that we work through in finding purpose in our parenting because especially when we're a parenting challenging kid, there's so much for us to get hung up on that we can't necessarily change. Like my son's brain is super duper impulsive. Can I affect it a little bit? Yes. Can I change it completely? No. You know, and so just really
0: being able to say which bucket does this go in that's wonderful. I love I I love that so much, and yeah. that the idea of the sense of purpose when you're parenting just makes everything a little less mundane and yeah. less frustrating, and more motivating. And I feel like when things start
1: to get mundane, when you're just going through the motions of life, it's really bringing you down mentally and emotionally. You know, so the more we yeah. can- really be honest and realistic with ourselves and our own expectations of ourselves, the better we're going to feel, um, the better our outlook is going to be in general. Absolutely. I think we have two more. So occupational is just finding satisfaction and, and enrichment in your work. And for parents who maybe don't work, finding that in in whatever your purpose is. Yeah, uh, that sense of purpose when you're parenting. Right. You're parenting, maybe you do some volunteer work, you know, maybe you help out at your church or whatever it is. It doesn't have to necessarily be a job you get a paycheck for, but just finding that satisfaction and saying, oh, I'm doing a good job, I'm really contributing here is important. It's part of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs in that pyramid. The very top is finding meaning and purpose in your life. Meaning and purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you have um, you have a life and a purpose outside of just how you're parenting. I know for me, when um, parenting wasn't going well, it was easy to feel like I wasn't the best parent because I had a lot of challenges With my child, I don't really think it was my fault now, but at the time, you know, it felt like I wasn't a successful parent. So knowing that I was succeeding at other things helped me immeasurably. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. We do. We blame ourselves for so much with our kids. We feel like somehow we're supposed to be in control of all of their childhood and we're supposed to make it perfect. And, you know, we just have these grand expectations that we get from society and the media and social media you know we're seeing now with all this technology we're seeing more of the best of people and we're not seeing the rest and then you feel like well you're not measuring up or you know so and so's kid gets straight a's i must be doing something terrible my kid has straight c's you know, I'm not doing it right. Well, in in my case, that's not what it's about at all. It's about learning disabilities and other yeah. factors. And we just have to remind ourselves that no life is perfect. Even the life that looks so perfect on the surface is not. There's always
0: some struggle for everyone, Absolutely. It just, you know, can look different. It's like looking underneath the surface. I remember, um, seeing this friend on Instagram and then meeting her for tea. And, you know, the, the difference between the two <laughs> was so stark. And I even, I even posted about it on Instagram and she like responded and she was like, I know, right? <laughs> it's just so different from what we see. I do these boot camps, like we get
1: together in our pajamas with bedhead and no makeup and stuff in the mornings and like, okay, this is the actual me. This is what I look like at home. It's not, you know, the pretty pictures on my website or whatever. Yeah. And I have had to learn to let go of some of that because I have social anxiety. I only want people to see me at my absolute best because I'm certain in my worry brain that they're judging every aspect of me. Right. So it takes work for me to do that. And I, you know, sometimes I post no makeup pictures or a hard day pictures because I feel like it's so important that we're real with each other, yeah, because that lifts each other up. My picture with no makeup is going to
0: make somebody else feel better, <laughs> right? Because they know they're not alone, and that is that sense of belonging is so essential to our well being. It's a relief
1: for me, it's yeah. a relief to, like <laughs> scroll through. I, this is probably something I shouldn't admit in public, but. A couple of years ago, one day I sat down and I said, I want to see what all of these celebrities in their 40s and 50s look like without any makeup on. I want to see what they look like when they get out of bed, right? Because mm-hmm. it just seems so unfair that a 50-year-old looks 20 years younger than my 45.
0: Yeah, but remember, they also have personal trainers that drag them out of bed and work out with them for two hours. And then they have somebody who makes them perfect food right. and... That's why I looked for this because I was uh-huh. like, I want to see the real person. I
1: don't want to see what having an entourage and all the money in the world to take care of your skin and your physical physique and stuff is. I want to see what the actual real person looks like. And it it, I, it helped me. And part of that is my social anxiety. But I just think, you know, we have to look for the recognition that nobody is perfect. Nobody is beautiful every moment of every day. Um, Even people with tons of money have problems. These are the things that we tend to not allow ourselves to really think about to give ourselves grace, but it's so crucial. Yep. So the last piece of our eight dimensions of wellness is social. And that one can be really hard when you have atypical kids, but developing a sense of connection, belonging, and support with others. You know, I hear all the time moms say, you know, my friends don't get it. When I try to get together with my friends and my kids and their kids, it always ends badly. Or, you know, my kid is acting out and and it's embarrassing. You know, they just don't understand what it's like to raise a kid with ADHD or autism or other challenges. And it can be really hard to find other people with a similar parenthood because we tend to not just talk about it everywhere we go.
0: Yeah, I was really lucky in that because I happened to have friends whose kids were diagnosed before mine and they were all around the same age and they were were friends and those those friends of mine were like such a lifeline to me. And I know not everybody has that, but I also found online communities that were incredibly helpful. But still, even with all that, I still had times when I felt so isolated and so alone. And I was sure that I was the only one having this particular problem. And you know what? That wasn't true. No. (laughs) I was not the only one millions and
1: millions and millions of people on this planet. We're never the only one in in any aspect. Yeah. You know, you just have to remind yourself of that sometimes. But I would say online communities for parenting, challenging kids are fantastic. Like I didn't know anybody in person for a really long time. And I don't know where I would be without that online tribe. And Mm -hmm. we do the happy mama retreat every year too. And that's become a real, like, year-long, lifelong friendships and community, and yeah, and something to look forward to. That sounds wonderful. It sounds amazing. <laughs> right. But we also have this private Facebook group for anybody who's ever gone to the retreat, and it's active every day. People are in there talking about what's going on, and I, even I, like, when something happens with my kid or my parenting, that's the first place I'll go and post about it because I know everybody there gets it and they're not going to judge because that's the whole premise of the retreat in the first place is that you have, you know, a kid with neurodevelopmental or neurobehavioral disabilities. And the speech I give every year at the beginning is there's no judgment in this room. Like <laughs> you're yeah. doing that here. And it's so freeing really to that feeling, but, you know, just developing even social connections with somebody who has a similar parenting journey is extremely helpful. It doesn't have to be someone in person. It can be an online friend or an online group.
0: Yeah. And if you, if, if in the moment, I think, I mean, this comes back to self-compassion, but in the moment, if you are feeling that way, just stopping and saying all beings experience suffering, someone somewhere is experiencing the same... Feelings that I am right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. And we're going to link up in the show notes one of Kate's um, self compassion mindfulness practices. So everyone can take advantage of that. And then also they can discover the other great tools that you offer as well. And, you know, I think we've covered most of what we wanted to talk about. Stress management was the only other thing on my list that I think is Mm -hmm. also important here. You've kind of turned that on its head for me in recommending The Upside of Stress. And I started reading that this week. And um, it's very interesting because, yes, stress can be physically and emotionally and mentally damaging, but it's our attitude about it that really determines whether it's going to be that impactful or not. And that's so, you know, it all just... Keep circling back to mindset, 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 mindset.
0: Yeah. So stress, basically, Kelly McGonigal says in this book, basically it means we're leading a meaningful life that we care about what it is we're stressed out about. If we didn't care, we wouldn't be stressed, right? But that you know you can be you can experience stress that is the fight or flight kind of stress. You can also see it as a challenge, like. If you were going to run a race or something, you wouldn't, you know, and you felt like you had a chance of winning. You would be like, "This is a challenge." I, you know, the certain the level of stress and the kinds of hormones that come in are not harmful in that context. So saying something like, "We've got this," or, "Oh wow, I'm excited about this challenge. I know this is going to be hard, but I've got the tools to deal with it," um, and then the attend and befriend uh, kind of stress, where you ask for help, where you say. We're in this together, let's figure this out. Let's, you know, can can you help me figure this out? Or whatever, like reaching out. So um, there are different kinds of stress and each one has its own profile of different hormones. And they the challenge response and the tendon befriend response are not nearly as harmful. They're not harmful for our physiology. Yeah. So that totally turned it on its head for me too. And believing that stress is harmful is Actually, what's
1: harmful? harmful. It's like (laughs) mind-blowing. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and so much what mindset is. yes many times where that negative thinking, you're making that stuff happen because your your mind is going down that path. And just yesterday I was doing a podcast interview with um Gene Harville, who's actually a reading strategist which will air after this episode that we are on now, but it, she was talking about the neural connections and how if you have enough positivity and gratitude and, and a sense of accomplishment, then you're rewiring the brain yeah. into that more positive approach. Where we're just talking about, I can't, I'm no good at this. That's wiring the brain for more of that negativity. So it really is physiologically, your mindset, your attitude about things changes your brain to go right. with that, to go with the negativity or to go with the positivity.
0: So that, that circles right back around to what you were saying about gratitude. And the more we can bask in these in these good feelings and actually kind of soak them up, the more it is rewiring our brains. Yeah. And um, I guess I just, I wanted to um, say about your eight dimensions of wellness is this gives me a great kind of framework for understanding that there may be times when I'm not, say, supporting every aspect of my wellness, but I might be able to look and find one aspect, like think about it and find one aspect that I am being supportive of. So in some way I am. Taking care of my wellness and looking at the, you know, looking, flipping it over and looking at it in a more positive way. Yeah. Not what am I doing wrong, but what am I doing right? Yeah. And how can I grow that?
1: Where am I achieving? And what do I have control over? <laughs> Those are kind of the two guiding
0: factors to keep you on that path, I think. Sure. And how can I? can I feel nourished by this? Whatever it is that is going on in my life, how can I find ways to feel supported and nourished? And that, that, yeah, I've got this.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. This has been such an inspiring conversation, I think to really kind of re-energize, you know, we, we tend to, we can get on that very narrow, narrow negative path, you know, easy to kind of fall into that pattern and, you know, listen to conversations like this then can help you to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'd see that I'm really not where I need to be right now. I need to do the work to get back to a better place.
0: And if, yeah, if you're seeing that you're not where you need to be, remember shaming ourselves isn't the answer. Mm-hmm. And the, the antidote to shame really is compassion.
1: Yep. Give yourself some grace. Lots of it. So yeah. the show notes, any ways, websites, podcasts to connect with Kate will be in the show notes. And those are found for this episode at parentingadhdandautism.com slash zero eight three for episode 83. And I really, I thank you again, Kate, for being here, offering your compassion and wisdom and helping our mama tribe to take good care of themselves and, and feel
0: well and be well. You're so welcome, Penny. And I wanted to also mention the the freebie that I'm offering to your listeners, the Mindful Meltdown Cheat Sheet. These are all the little go-to in the moment tools that have been helpful for me. Well, five of them that have been the most helpful for me when all hell breaks loose in the moment. Right.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and it's a good cheat sheet. I've already seen it and we'll link it up in the notes so everyone can download that as well. Um, Another super helpful list of strategies. I think that's it for us. We'll see everyone next time. Thanks for joining me on the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses, parent coaching, and mama retreats at parentingadhdandautism.com.